Monday, April 8th, and this is Season 7, Episode 2 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is John. Lovely to be with you, as always, at this top of the league time. Scott. Greetings and salutations. And Mike. Hey, everybody. Well, what an exciting day to be here where we get to talk about an opening day win and, and not just a, a win. Like last year, we beat City, which was a pretty exciting uh, way to start the season. Yes, um, it was. But that was a 1-0 uh, victory. Uh, this was a very convincing uh, 4-1 victory and coming back from behind on top of that. So let's start to dig right into this. I think this is uh, um, I think a lot of us were um, not necessarily nervous, but I think we had something to prove uh, <laughs> with Southampton, who had kind of handled us well last year. Um, I think Conte wanted us to come out of the gate uh, strong, and uh, and then we kind of gave up that initial goal uh, early on. Um, <laughs> From Ward Prowse, a pretty impressive uh, uh, goal that you kind of have to tip his cap. But was anybody starting to get worried that like maybe this wasn't going to be our day at that point, uh, John? Uh, no, not in the slightest. Um, I-, I thought that they were lucky to get that goal. I mean, yeah, it was a, it was either a supreme piece of of skill or a bit of luck that Ward Prowse got that goal in. Um, but I wasn't concerned at all. The uh, the, the attitude that we'd had up until then had been good, and we just continued to do it the same way. Uh, I know a lot of people, and what I'd, I'd like to address this, were saying, oh, why did he go with the same guys as last year? Why, why didn't he bring in any of the new guys? Well, because uh, he knows what he's doing, is the answer <laughs> to that. Uh, he knows what he's doing. He knew we had a solid team, um, and and he let it, and they played like they finished off last year. And that's the great thing. I, I, you know, we had a, we learned a little bit at the end of last year when we lost a couple of games when we shouldn't. And uh, hopefully that lesson is right behind us. And we'll just move forward from here. And I started off the podcast by saying, yeah, we're top of the league. And I will tell you without any doubt that this will not be the last podcast where I say we're top of the league. That sounds good. I, I like that prediction. <laughs> I definitely like that prediction. Uh, uh, Scott? I, I, I didn't really have any uh, uh, fears of, of us coming back. I, it, was, it was disappointing to see the, the one goal and how sort of slapdash it was um, uh, in, in the, the run-up to it just before. But uh, I, I didn't – as soon as they started playing, they were playing with such – like focus and and they're really getting at it even even though things weren't you know going quite the way we wanted to early on but uh, uh i i didn't i never i didn't have any real real uh fears to say the least no <laughs> uh mike yeah no fears no fears for for me either honestly i was very uh was very confident um kind of throughout i just I liked, I love that he started the same lineup. Um, you know, that, that made me, that just, you know, gave me a lot of confidence. I think it gave the players a lot of confidence, you know, the fact that, you know, he still believes in the players, despite the number of signs we've been making, he still believes in all the single players. Um, and, you know, why not start the same players that we started at the end of last season? Like our last, what, three matches were 
I think we scored like 18 goals or some crazy like like the last month of matches was insane. Yeah. Go ahead, it's, got, it's a it's also like a it was also a statement to the players that he's saying, you know, hey, you've got competition now, but you're still, you know, I, I still recognize what you are and what you did, um, which I thought I thought was pretty good, uh, you know, to for uh, a coach to come in and, 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 you know, buy all these players and then like change half the team. That's that's something that like Bournemouth or, Saint, you know, Nottingham Forest or something, you know, that's that's what happens when when they uh, buy, you know, they switch everybody over and then it's not a team anymore. Well, you know, this way you're you're adding in little pieces here at a time so they all can understand what's going on and they can feed off of those players that have been there already. Yeah, I'm with you exactly, Scott. And the other thing I liked a lot was that if there were any weak links at the end of last season, I think he would say they were Royale and maybe Sessignon. Um but they both came on and played much, much better than they had. Um, I mean, they, were, they weren't very consistent. Sessignon was still trying to get, get things together. Everybody was on Royale's case for not being very good. And I think he proved them all wrong this week. Uh, but so not only did we have the continuity, we Conte gave those two the chance to show that they had improved. And obviously they've been listening to him and they're doing things his way. Um, I love the comment that Sessignon said that uh, just prior to scoring the goal, he hadn't attacked the ball and had not got a goal. And he said, Conte's going to be right on my case because I didn't do as I was told. I've really got to do as I was told. <laughs> Three minutes later, he does as instructed and bang, it's a goal. I mean, that, how superb is that? And, you know, if you've got any complaint about Emerson Royale now, keep it to yourself. I um, I saw some complaints on, on media before the, when the lineup was put up there. Oh, you know, what are we doing with him? Well, I think, first of all, we need to trust Conte. And second of all, he was working. He'd been working with him and it showed. And um, and Royale had a good, I thought he had a good game. Yeah, over to, over to you, Anthony. Yeah, no, I, I I think you're dead on. Like, um, I think his first half was uh was a little bit weaker than the second half, but but Royal really stepped up and um in a role that we've really questioned his ability to do a lot. Like, uh, I, and Conte showed some faith in him here too, which was big. Before we move on from the um uh the the initial goal, the, um we do have a question from Kyle Mates that I do want to tackle real fast. So, uh, Kyle Mates asks us on Twitter. Uh, James Ward Prowse always seems to score crazy goals against us. Who are some other opponents that have the matches of their lives against Spurs? <laughs> uh, I'll go first. Um, oh, and I'm I'm gonna blank on his name. That's terrible. All right, somebody go while I think about it. <laughs> Is it a goalkeeper? <laughs> yes, it's a goalkeeper. Um, Could be a number well, of guys. Tim Kroll. Yeah, Tim Kroll. Yeah. yeah. Tim well, Kroll. back back in the day. Clements, when he was playing for Liverpool, would always have an absolute blinder against us. I think one of the best saves I've ever seen was in an FA Cup replay in the uh, late 60s, where Gilzine got a, a header on goal and everybody is standing up because it's going in. We know it's going in. It's a dead cert. And Clements pulled out a save that was absolutely unbelievable. But he continued to do that against us. 
Um, as far as other players, I think, you know, if you've scored a few times against the team and you get the chance to get out there again, you, you've got a bit of confidence, haven't you? You've got a bit of uh, a skip in your step. Hey, I scored against these guys before. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to score against them again. Um, and I think that's how this thing tends to happen. Um, but, you know, Kevin Keegan always played well against us, but he's played well against everybody. So, um, the Thierry Henry always seemed to have a scorcher against us. Um, he had scorched these against are guys that you probably uh, don't even so. remember, guys. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> Henry probably had uh, scorchers against everybody, though. He, I mean, he was that good for a while there. Mike, do you have anybody that you can think of? Yeah, I remember Theo Walcott having a lot of good games against us. And then, uh, I remember like a lot of random, like, players that would just for some reason always had was on the score sheet against us there's a crystal palace defender i think um that seems to score. he's a left back i can't remember his name right now but he always would always score against us and then um like just bigger names cristiano ronaldo always had our number um, oh, yeah. for some reason would always score against us you know we kind of just chalked it up because it was like oh we're playing against madrid or we're playing against you know united but uh, last year, we really should have beat that team. I don't know how we lost to them. And I think Ronaldo had a hat-trick, so that's that sticks out in recent memory. And, of course, James Wolfhouse now. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, all good mentions there. Uh, moving the conversation uh, along, so we did get past that WordPress uh, um, goal, and as many of you said, some of the names that stepped up to the plate – in this match, but um, we got back to business and it, uh, um, it only took between the 12th and 21st minute before we were equal. Um, and that came, I think, with a unexpected goal scorer, one that we haven't uh, seen score in Premier League play yet in Ryan Sessegnon. And it came on the back of a, an amazing play by um, Kulishevsky. Uh, so let's talk Should a little bit two. about that first goal. Yeah, well, actually, um, I did predict that he'd score this weekend. I also predicted that Kane and Son would score, so I'm obviously not that good, but uh, <laughs> I thought he was ready, and I think that he's um, getting the confidence. I saw when he was on loan, I think it was Hamburg, he really, really did play very well, and he was getting goals, so I thought he was ready. I don't think, well, obviously that's not going to be the last goal he scores for us, but I think He's going to bring in um, a nice total of goals this year, I think, because the way he attacks the ball, cuts in from the left, um, got a powerful head, and if we've got people that can cross the ball, as we appear to, then um, yeah. I can see that Finally. happening. Yeah, exactly. But well, I and that. I heard that Perisic was talking to him beforehand uh, about that, getting that very thing, getting getting to the post and um, being there for the for those crosses. Um, like the, it was something that they apparently had a conversation about beforehand, which you love seeing. Like when Sessegnon is getting the start, that still the, uh, the 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 veteran players there uh, giving him tips for exactly what he should mm -hmm. be doing, and what a great learning experience for Sessegnon there. Um, I agree. I think Mike was next. Yeah, um, no, I agree a hundred percent. And um, I think not only is he giving him advice about where to be, but um, he's really giving him advice about where Conte wants him to be. And I think because Conte. He demands that from his fullbacks to make that. And so I don't know if you guys have seen the Conte cam today. He actually just came out today in the uh, in the morning. But 
Um, I love Conte Cam, by the way. Just absolutely <laughs> love it. Seeing him, because he'll, I don't know, he won't, he won't celebrate, uh, like, if we're up 1-0, but he'll, he'll celebrate so much if we're up 2-0, or if we're, we're tied. I think I actually, someone said this in a different pod, too, which is crazy. But anyways, um, Conte Cam, he was getting really angry about um, the first uh, cross that came to the back post. Session did not make the run, did not attack the ball, and you could see Conte getting really angry about it, like, you're supposed to be there. You're supposed to be attacking that that ball there. And I think um, real quick, you know, it, he learned really fast from that mistake. And, um, you know, he attacked it. And he really attacked it really well. I think he made really good purchase with the header. It wasn't like a, you know, it skimmed off of him or something. It was a beautiful cross, a beautiful header, you know. And I think um, I know I'm going to get in my head of myself here. But I think it says a lot about the team um, where, you know, the players that would really need to have confidence were the players that we had, like, question marks about, which were, you know, the, the two fullbacks, the center back, you know, and they all three of them had amazing performances. Session scored. Dyer had a crazy, amazing, like, header. And then, um, you know, Emerson had two assists. So what more can you ask for from our fullbacks and our center back, really? Yep, definitely. Uh, Scott? I agree. I, uh, uh, I, the fact that we have... Uh, people who seem to be on the cusp of of breaking out. Uh, I always thought Sessegnon could be a, a a superstar, but well, maybe not a superstar, but a star, you know. But he never quite got all, over that hump. But I I think with per, Perisic, I can't say his name right, Perisic, um coming in and being so completely open, at least as far as we can tell, being completely open to helping Sessegnon instead of, you know, hindering. And he, he it seems like there's a, there's a really good camaraderie going on. And, well, uh, pretty, you know, yeah, I, I heard that uh, Perisic, if that's how you pronounce it, it's how you pronounce it, Scott. I don't know if that's how he's supposed to. <laughs> it's evidently having a great impact in, in the dressing room. And he's such a positive character. And, you know, in the past, we've avoided people of his age. We've said, no, we want to build younger people. But there's a lot to be said for the experience of him and bringing him in and the ability that he can have to improve Sessignon's game. I think that there's not, that it may not be such a long shot that if Sessignon really has a good three or four months, he'd be in line for an England call-up. I mean, it's the, very possible. It's very possible. I mean, he's been in the unders, so um, yeah. yeah, like it, it's not beyond question, especially with the. Uh, I, I think that's kind of like the a side where like in, England uh, could probably use a little bit more depth. Um, he might not get that many minutes, like even if he were to make the World Cup squad. But uh, I could see him maybe possibly making the squad. Um, no, good shout there. Yeah. And I also just want to add, like, uh, you know, if we've had this policy, you're right, about not signing players at over a certain age. But I think the last two signings that we've made uh, over the age of 30 have, you know, both really worked out for us. And I think I think this is something that we need to, like, not be afraid to do anymore. I mean, Fernando Lorente was really good for us. You know, he filled in, uh, you know, a specific role where he wasn't going to get that many minutes. He played Champions League games and. Uh, you know, he, he actually helped us get to the final. And so, yep. um, 
and he scored a couple goals against Watford and Fulham, games that we needed to win. And so I think it, it means a lot. And Sessegnon has gone through, like, it's really, it's lovely to see Sessegnon kind of like, kind of blossoming now because he's gone through really a torrid time ever since he was signed, uh, you know, going through Mourinho and um, had to get loaned out because Mourinho doesn't really play uh, with his fullback. So they're more defensive, you know, and he's more of an attacking fullback. And uh, he had to go to Germany to play to get minutes and, you know, he's been getting injured, injury after injury after injury. And so I love that we brought in uh, Perisic. And I think Perisic is such a good, like you said, he's such a good uh, positive influence on a squad. Because he knows he's 30, he's he's over 30, 33, 34. He's not going to be able to play every single Premier League match. It's impossible. But because we're in a Champions League, it's such a luxury to have someone with the intelligence and knowledge to bestow onto our younger players. Also, to fill in and, and, and give us something, a different dimension. Because... I think he cuts on his, he cuts in on his right quite often, and uh, that's a big difference to Sessegnon, who stays kind of like outside left uh, when Sun is cutting in. So I think it's a big difference. And he also has two good foot feet, and he, he can shoot from distance, which is a, a little bit different. And that uh, you could really see that being valuable with him combining with Sun at some point um, in the, the season with two, with two two-footed players uh, playing off of one another. Uh, I think you can see some great things there. Uh, um, and I'm going to go to John next, but we also should probably, before we move on from this particular goal, we should give uh, uh, Kulishevsky his due in this one as well, because yep. he, he he certainly uh, created this chance and uh, what a match he had as well. Um, uh, John, I think you were next up. Well, I was just going to say about Perisic that um, it took a little while, but I managed to get the uh, Roma game on the TV with a Norwegian commentary. And Perisic <laughs> had three shots from outside the box that were, you know, inches wide. Um, and he brings that, which, as you said, Cessignon is more of a cut inside and is going to get the, the goals closer in, I think. Whereas Perisic, he can shoot from the outside. But as for um, Kuvaleska, is that again? I'm stuck with pronunciations. Kulishevsky, Um, he wasn't, but he wasn't a surprise because he was fabulous last year. I mean, he came in, and I don't think people knew much about him, and he was sensational. He was absolutely sensational, and he followed that up on Saturday by being sensational. Well, okay, so he's sensational. But it wasn't He's a surprise still underrated, to me. though, John. Like, I mean, like people, um, people will say all sorts of crazy stuff. Like Saka's a better player than him, which is like Saka's a good player, but he's not, there's no way in hell he's better than Kulishevsky. Um, but um, if, if people are saying that Kuvaleski is not sensational, they haven't been paying attention. They haven't been paying because he, he's he's astonishing. I, I I think when I well when I watch him and he's just. He, the way he works with the ball and he gets, uh, you know, around people and, uh, you know, he's so strong and, and he always seems to be going like that's he's, he's like the perfect he's the perfect Conte player. He's always going. He's, you know, super strong in the ball and 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 he clearly enjoys being here, which is great. Well, and that goal he scored was uh, and you know you one should give him the fabulous credit for it but it reminded me of a lot of goals sauna scored too being able mm-hmm. to cut to the outside and then curve it into the far corner is one of son's um 
yep. you know, classic moves. And it, it, to me, it, he made it look so simple. And yeah. he, he wrong-footed the defenders. He caught the, he got the time, and he curved it around the keeper. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. How brilliant is that? <laughs> oh, it was superb. It was great, honestly. It was amazing. And, you know, Kulisevsky is like, he's such a... We t- I talked about this last year, but his, his football intelligence is just outrageous. Like, the amount of runs he makes, like, so smart. Like, he's the perfect player for Son and Kane. He's so good at retaining possession, you know, making the passes to, uh, to get Emerson open, to get Kane open, to get um, Son open, and then making the runs. And his runs, uh, his runs, honestly, it's like, it's not normal for a player that young. He's only 22 years old. It's, it's not normal for a player that young to be making that much of an impact and making that, like, you know, always making the right choice. It's very rare for a player to be making the right choice that quite, like, that often. And so, you know, he's he's honestly, he's it, we say underrated. Like, we watch him week in and week out, so we know how good he is. But a lot of teams really just don't understand how good, you know, um, Kulisevsky is. He's so, so good. Like, I think he's, I would say, the only player better than him on the right in the Premier League is Salah. Like, I would put him above Mares. I'd put him above Foden. I'd put him above, you know, Grealish. I don't think Grealish even plays on right, but Bernardo Silva. I'd put him up, I'd put him up against any of those players. I think he would I think he would outscore and out assist them and have a bigger impact on the game offensively, defensively, compared to any of those players. Maybe not Salah, but Salah's, a, you know, he's a freak. He's, he's one of a kind. But, yeah, I think Kulisevsky is so good at 22 years old. You know? Yeah, and and only just twenty two. I think he's twenty two and uh, you know twenty one and three weeks or something. I don't understand why he was uh, not being played more at Juventus. Um, he was a Swedish international, but he wasn't getting that much time at Juventus, and so he did come as a bit of a surprise to me when he came in and did so well. Because um, if he, if he'd been playing like this for Juventus, we would not have got him for the same kind of money that we did by That's any true. stretch of the imagination. So somebody uh, somebody over there in Italy dropped the ball, but if you'll mm-hmm. pardon the pun. I think, but, I think yeah. he was stuck behind some people, but yeah, it, 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 they really missed out there. Like, uh, like we, we, in the price that we got him for, I mean, like, what, what a steal. Um, yeah. No, I, I think so. He was doing a lot, a lot of the same things he's doing right now for Parma, and then Juventus signed him for for big money. Actually, Paratici for Juventus signed him for for uh, for big money, and then they kept playing him in like wing back, forward, center forward, center midfield. I think he played before, and like he just never had a consistent starting outside wing, you know, position. He actually scored on his debut too. I actually watched the Juventus all or nothing, so. Yeah, but he was also out at Atalanta, too, which is, you know, you don't put your best players out at Atalanta. Sorry, no disrespect (laughs) to Atalanta, but, you know. Romero came from Atalanta, from Juventus, actually. So this is probably a good sign to have. have Well, obviously, yeah, I think we've probably, um, we've gone into that bucket probably two more times. They won't let us have that again. But, uh, yeah, two great signings from there. Uh, if if Paratici has the uh, the connections there, I bet you he'll still be able to make deals with with them. Um, and 
there, there are certain players that they're just not going to use for whatever system they're playing or they have depth in that position that there's always going to be openings where um, where they're going to want to unload. So I, I'd say keep dipping into that pot as long as they let us. <laughs> um, let's move the conversation along to the Eric Dyer goal, the one that I had to buy a round of shots on because this was on <laughs> a set piece. and, uh, and I had Yeah, to- it was a lot of shots too. I mean, I didn't, uh, I, I wasn't in, the, in for that. But um, yeah, what did you end up having to buy, like 10 or 11? I think it was 10 shots. Uh, 10 shots, yeah. yeah. That was very generous of you, too, because I don't think the, the corner, you know what I'm saying? It was a little bit after the corner, so that was really generous of you to do that. <laughs> well, the, uh, we've always played, like, you know, if, until the opposing team gets a foot on the ball or you're cycling it all the way back, um, we've always kept it alive, I think. Um, like, uh, we, we're going to have to be a little, little bit clearer on that rule, I think. But um, for those <laughs> that are listening and don't know what we're talking about, in Chicago, we play a game called Set Piece Roulette, where if uh, you you call a set piece, and if uh, if we score on the set piece, you have to buy a round of shots for everybody else playing. Um, so everybody wins. But um, Except the guy has to pay for the shot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, you still win. You get a T-shirt, and you, uh, you got a got a goal. Got a goal. That's yeah, cool. that's right. That's the... And uh, the way I see it, I have no problem paying for that round of shots because Eric Dyer was still up there. For Eric Dyer to, to get the ball, it's still a set piece in my my mind. Uh, so I, I had no problem paying for it. But um, do you think this was, um, even though we didn't get directly on the set piece, um, do you think this is a good sign about our new set piece coach? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the fact that Dyer was up there in the first place meant that he was supposed to be there. And when you bring a defender in like that, then defense is always a little discombobulated because they're marking the forwards and what's a defender doing there. And because they've got their uh, ways of handling that. But the way that Dyer came in on the angle was just superb. And once again, I don't think that's the last goal we're going to see from Dyer this year, um, which is what happened the last time when he scored the first game he was in and then he didn't score for couple of seasons but i think again with the new uh, with the new coaching attitude we're going to see a lot of people scoring and i can see dyer has got height he knows his positions himself well um yeah once again fantastic love it love it love it yeah that was definitely exciting to, to see one come out of uh um our set pieces where we kind of were uh, mediocre in previous uh uh season so if we can start getting some Previous production seasons. out of there. We've yeah. been mediocre at set pieces since I've been a Spurs fan. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the proof of the pudding will be when Kane stops taking the free kicks from outside the box. Yeah, I still hate because that. I, I don't know why. I, I don't know why we do that. I heard that through the grapevine that Dyer was banging him in four times as many times as Kane was, and yet against Roma. Uh, it was Kane that stepped up. So I don't know um, but how that's going to go. But I'd like to see some uh, some change up, you know. That's, that definitely, definitely. And I think the new uh, special teams coach or dead ball coach or whatever we're going to call him, uh, I've always, always felt, and particularly when I was a coach, that the opportunity to score from dead ball situations is 
much greater than it is from open play and that you should take advantage of that. Yeah. In fact, I had a I had a parent complain to me once that um, why don't we score more goals from open play than we do in set plays? And I said, well, if you want, we can stop scoring goals on <laughs> on dead ball situations if it makes you feel better. And they were like, oh no, 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 we don't want to do that. And I said, well, what are you complaining about? But people get <laughs> well, some funny ideas. Well, uh, well, well, you're on the mic, John. We have another, our next question, which comes from uh, Shubes. So uh, uh, on, on Facebook, he asks us, uh, um, more for John and Joe, who was supposed to be on the podcast, but Scott took his uh, place on the, the pod for us since he couldn't well, make I it. I didn't mean to do that. Well, no, he couldn't make it. He couldn't make it. So, uh, oh, so he okay. stepped in for him. Um, uh, but he asks, uh, how important is it that for Sess and Dyer to stay fit and continue this form if they are to make late bids for late places for the FIFA World Cup. Uh, we kind of started to tackle that a little bit. Uh, while we we complain probably rightly so about the event's timing, uh, does that in a full preseason help some players on the outside? P.S. Glad, glad you and the fam are okay, Joe. And yeah, uh, for those of you that know, Joe's from uh, Highland Park and he did get caught up in that uh, mass shooting that happened. So we're definitely happy that he, him and his family are safe. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Shubes, uh, how are you, mate? Nice to hear from you. Um, I see from Facebook, you seem to be doing a lot of fun stuff, but that's good. As far as your question is concerned, I think this year it doesn't matter. Um, if Cessin, what's the worst thing that's going to happen if Cessignon gets injured? Well, we're going to have to put Perisic in. Well, yeah. Like, how hard is that? And um, and Dyer, we have a good replacement for Dyer. Now, that's not to say you don't want to lose your, your best players, but I think that um, in that situation, we're in such a better situation than we were uh, last year or the year before. We're not depending on individuals to stay fit because we absolutely need them. Because if the, those people do get injured, we got wonderful people to step in. And that, that to me is the big difference. So I'm, I'm not concerned. I don't want to wish anybody getting injured. But if they do, um, we got we got people that can come in and do a fabulous job. And so I'm not so worried about it, Shubes. Uh, I, th you know, I think everybody's finding it a little bit difficult to relax about Tottenham. And uh, I can understand that. And, you know, I'm the eternal optimist. But nonetheless, I think we should start to relax a little bit about being a fan and let them play the way they can play and not get worried too much about injuries because the first time that I have seen in a very, very long time, if somebody gets injured, we have somebody just as good to step up and be part of the team. And uh, and that's what it was all about this time, John. Like these five players, they don't necessarily create um, – we don't have a better player to replace a player necessarily – but we have equivalently good players to pull off the bench now. And, and, and possibly when we get 
get to see what we really have going. Maybe we can create better matchups for, for different teams that we're playing. Like maybe Rick Carlson's going to be better against uh, a team like Chelsea, you know, where you need somebody to shit house a little bit. Um, uh, maybe um, uh, m- maybe Basuma's going to be uh, your much better midfield when uh, when you you have a really uh, difficult midfield opposition. Um, and let um, midfield. Let's not forget at all. Young Skip, who's going to have competition this year. I was really disappointed for him that he had this cut foot and fractured ankle, uh, small bone in his ankle hurt, because when I saw him in preseason, he was brilliant. I love him to pieces. Uh, And I think he's going to really, really push for a place. And where we put him, I don't know at this point, but he's going to push for a place. So, you know, we've got Basumo, we've got Skip. And um, what's everybody worried about? Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, like, I, it, it's a good problem to have. What are your thoughts, Mike? I'm, I mean, this is, uh, it's, it's all positive news, honestly. You know, um, you know, having the depth in the positions, you know, it's something that we haven't done for a long time. You know, whenever we bring a player in that was of the quality that we needed, we would always end up selling a player in that same position, and that was. For me, that was always frustrating because, you know, it's like, oh, we're almost like netting the same, you know, like when we sold Modric, we got Dembele, you know, could you imagine if we had Dembele and Modric, you know, it's the same scenario that we always kind of bring up. And this is the first time I feel like we're actually bringing in players that are going to complement the team and, to, you know, and really give our players a break because they're going to need a lot of breaks this year. Um, I think the amount of games that we have to play, you know, um, I think, Conte takes every cup competition really seriously. So we're going to have the FA Cup, you know, League Cup. We're going to have uh, Champions League, you know, Premier League. And then there's going to be a World Cup in the middle of the year. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of games, a lot of uh, uh, exhaustion. And, you know, pray it doesn't happen, but there's going to be also a lot of injuries. So um, we're going to need all the players that we can really get. And I think the players know that. I think that's the the biggest reason why, you know, a player like Richarlison is fine coming to, to Tottenham because, Number one, he's getting out of uh, an Everton situation where it's not desirable. But number two, he's going to get play Champions League games. And that was really the biggest thing about winning, you know, getting Champions League and in that fourth position is the amount of players that we can get that are going to be okay coming in, um, playing on Tuesday instead of playing on Sunday. That's the biggest, that's really the biggest thing. Or yeah, Wednesday. and being able to sub Kane. We haven't been able to sub Kane. I know, never, and never. playing every single game, God bless him. Yeah. But um as you say, Mike, the, the number of fixtures that we've got coming up, Kane cannot possibly play them all. And uh, I can see that they would sit him out and put Richardson in there from the beginning um, in in some situations. And I, you know, Richardson's a different kind of forward than Kane is. Well, everybody in the world's a different kind of forward than Kane is. But... Uh, I think he's got goals in him. I don't think there's any doubt he's got goals in him, and we're going to see goals from Richarlson. I just wish he'd stay on his feet and not roll around in agony. Everybody comes within six inches of his leg. That's, That's my the Brazilian. I think we're going to have to get used to that. I think we're going to have to get used to that. But um, but when it's your guy, it's uh, easier to, to tolerate. I think. Um, <laughs> I like I like that. Honestly, I like that because like we're going to have to bring him on in games where we're up. Maybe we're up. I mean, hopefully we're up, you know, maybe 2-1 or 1-0. And, you know, we're going to have to close the game out. A guy that's going to, like, take fouls, 
you know, waste time. It's going to like infuriate the, the team that is playing against. Also takes up a lot of the time that we need in order for us to like really like, you know, our defenders to catch a break, catch, catch a breath, all this stuff. So I think Richard is going to be really important and trying to keep a lead. And obviously, you know, hopefully um, fresh legs will help him score more goals. Yeah. yeah, I don't disagree with you, Mike, but he was doing it against Roma when we went down. And, you know, you then you're wasting your own time. Mm. Yeah, it's tough to say with preseason, but I understand the point for sure. Um, so we had that 61st minute on goal, and then we had kind of already talked a little bit about the Kulishevsky 63rd minute uh, um, last goal. Um, I don't want to really spend a ton of time talking about those because I think we've kind of already tackled and we've talked a lot about how the team performance here. Um, but I do think maybe this is a good point to go to predictions. Or I mean, not predictions. I'm going to uh, uh, MVP LVP is what I mean. I'm a little rusty here because uh, we haven't had an MVP LVP since last season. <laughs> um, who? Um, let's start with uh, Scott for MVP first. All right. Uh, I, it, it's kind of hard to, to really pin down an MVP because I ultimately would 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 you know choose somebody that that, that that you know stands out but there's there isn't really anybody who really stands out this time um I think I'm gonna go with uh Klusevsky just because of the fact that I, I do I every time I watch him I'm I'm pleased you know in, in some way or another um Maybe a little bit of a uh, a, a man crush. <laughs> that that's possible. I like ginger, so you know. <laughs> um, no, but no, uh, he, he he had an incredible match. So yeah, that I mean I I think I'm, that's what I'm going to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mike, uh, who do you have? Uh, easy choice is definitely Kulisevsky, but I'm gonna go with uh, Ryan Sessegnon. I was just really, really, really impressed by his performance. Really happy with his performance. You know, the story for me, it makes a lot of changes. Actually, I'll tell you guys my favorite moment of the game. My favorite moment of the game was uh, beginning of second half. Um, Sonny played a through ball to Sessignon, and Sessignon was, like, pretty offside. All right, he was clearly offside. But we didn't know it. The, you know, the, we, didn't, we didn't know it when we saw it. And so he's one-on-one with the keeper, and your first thought with Sessignon is he's probably going to take it with his left. It's going to go just wide of the post, or the keeper's going to save it. But he switches it over to his right foot. He curls it around the keeper, an amazing finish, honestly. And we all celebrated like hell to find out that it was offside. But that, honestly, that was my favorite moment of the match. Like, that shows how much confidence Sessegnon has right now. And, like, it was such a great finish. Like, even, like, a forward should be excited about a finish like that. Like, that's how good of a finish it was, in my opinion. So, Ryan Sessegnon, MVP for me. Yeah, and, like, I think there's a good case for either of them. Uh, John, uh, who do you have? Well, I was going to say Sessegnon before uh, Mike said it, but I definitely agree with that. To me, the MVP, there were a number of people on the pitch that scored in the uh, after-game recognition of nines and eights, um, and I, I think they all deserved it. But to me, Sessegnon was the one that stepped up the most to be a nine. I don't think he's had a nine on his record playing for Spurs before. Um, but he definitely, um, he stepped up and I agree with you, Mike, that goal, although, uh, when you watch the replays, he was obviously offside, but at the time, um, 
I couldn't. I normally watch it and go, well, he's offside, but I didn't get maybe the camera angle was wrong or whatever, but I thought he got a goal. Um, and you're right, he took it beautifully um, with a lot of composure. And that's that, that's a great thing. And the goal he got, fabulous. So, yeah, Sessignon for me. Yeah, I I hear both of you guys on Sessignon. I think I'm with Scott on Kulishevsky. I just think like the, his goal was impressive. The uh, the the assist uh, for the Sessignon goal, um, he really created that chance, and he just played magnificent throughout. And I just want to point out that this was a match where I don't think Harry Kane and Son were necessarily at their best. They were certainly being the ones being marked, which opened up like the Kulishevskis, the Emerson uh, Royal, who also I think needs uh, an honorable mention. Um, uh, it opened up those guys to be able to be the uh, to perform and score goals. So um, uh, yeah, no, Kulishevsky's my guy, but like I I really wanted to point out, like yeah, like this wasn't like our uh, top goal scorers doing what they always do. This was this showed us that we can win a different way, which I think was the best part about this this match for me. Um, uh, what, does anybody have an LVP? Like I'll start with you, Scott. Can you think of somebody who deserves LVP title here? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. Um, I can't think of any egregious things that that happened during the game that would would sway me in one way or another. Um, uh, I, I think, no, not even that. No, I don't have an LVP. Yeah, uh, Mike, uh, how about you, dude? Anything you can come up with? No, no LVP. I, I do want to, I, I like that you mentioned the Emerson's uh, contributions, though. I think um, the way he uh, he kissed it off the, the defender's ankle into the, into, the, into the goal was one of the best finishes of the day, honestly. <laughs> But um, no, I, th- I thought he played really well. But yeah, no, no LVPs for me. Really, everyone played good. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and John, uh, in, in, no, in- it would be it would be an absolute insult to put anybody mm-hmm. as an LVP. But if we can pick uh, from Southampton, yeah, I'd like to pick the guy that scored the goal <laughs> for us. That I mean, he that was a special goal. I, I don't press. think. Uh, I don't think he could do that again if he tried. That was skill that was way beyond me. But That's kind of what Ward Prowse does, though. <laughs> like he he does those types of goals all the time. Unfortunately, uh, and he tends to do them against us. But um, but hey, it didn't matter. This time. <laughs> it it just kind of got us into gear. I think as well it did. So um, yeah, I, I, we're gonna see future performances with Sonny Kane uh, um, on full 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 tilt or full cylinders or whatever the phrases um but it wasn't this one but we we still look magnificent even without them being at the peak of their game and it shows that like if teams just want to focus on those guys they're going to get hurt by everybody else and and i'm getting really excited about this season uh but i think that's probably a good place for us to uh to go to half um we don't have a halftime segment today uh we're going to have a couple coming up soon um So we are just going to roll right into the second half. Um, uh, So let's go into the second half where we're going to talk about first uh, ongoing transfer rumors, um, expected transfers, and then we'll preview the Chelsea game. So let's start with those transfer rumors. And um, so the big one that that came out today, and and I think we just got the uh, here we go from uh, Romano on this. Uh, uh, So... uh, 
um, uh, another uh, left wing back. Um, and it's uh, Destiny. Uh, is it Indoggy? Uh, Undoggy or Udoggy? Um, no I've, heard, idea. I've heard multiple <laughs> pronunciations, but I'm not really sure. Yeah, I think it's doggy. Yeah, I think it's big doggy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I this is uh, um, a purchase. I think it was around twenty million, and we're going to loan him back to his uh, um, his original side. Um, it seems to be like a, a favorite type of business that Paradigy likes to do, like uh, buy a young talent allow them to stay at their team and continue to develop, but we own control of them where we might be able to sell them on at a later point in time or find a use for them in our squad at some point. And I think it's smart business. What do you guys think? Oh, I agree I, entirely. Um, it's, uh, it's something that we have done in the past, um, but now we're making, uh, you know, we're, we're getting people in for the present as well, but we're getting him in for the future. And you just don't know how these guys are going to go. But he's obviously very talented and he's young and we look into the future. Now, we looked at uh, uh, talking a little bit about loans. The guys that were out on loan last year, and as everybody knows, I do a little bit. I check on these guys. I've got a little bit of a loan segment and um, will be doing one shortly. But uh, some of those guys that we bought early on that showed a lot of promise have been let go. Um, Clark's gone. Atete is gone. Um, they both had reasonable seasons on loan last year, but nothing spectacular. But the ones that uh, we kept, um, I'm talking about forwards now, were Parrot and um, Scarlet. So, you know, sometimes you get these guys and you don't keep them around. But nonetheless, if you get four in and you keep two, you're doing okay. And I love the way that we're looking. Uh, I mean, he, this this guy is um, maybe three years. I mean, we we're going to get him in. Then he's got to learn to play how to how to play um, football in the UK in the pouring rain on a Wednesday night um, when the wind's howling. And mm -hmm. once he's got all that behind him, then we'll see how good he is. But uh, but no, I, I, I really think, and it's so different from the transfer theories of the past. And I'll use as an example, uh, Gill, that we brought in. Um, lovely player, did beautiful in Spain. But again, <laughs> Wednesday night in the rain, he's very small. Um, can't really, you know, I don't think he's ever played in those kind of conditions before. And he's going to have to play him if he's in English football. Um, we're still on the edge with him, although he was he was fantastic when we brought him in. But we brought him in for immediate help. Um, I don't understand that, but I do understand bringing this guy in for help in the future. We'll get him loaned out, um, you know, to his own club this year, maybe get him. Um, loaned out within the UK next year and three years on he'll be in the team that's a good strategy as far as I'm concerned I, I yeah. think you're right and even if he's not in the team we can if we sell him on from for a profit to buy somebody who will be in the team I think that's uh that's good business either way in my eyes uh, but Mike uh, I'm sorry I jumped in on you 
Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of like torn on it because it, in, in general, I'm, I'm always excited for, you know, uh, signings with Spurs making signings, you know, especially young players that could have a future. It's always really important to make those signings, but at the same time, I'm kind of torn because I feel like that position is something that we could like, I don't, I don't feel like we could have, I think Conte has given up on the tools that he has, basically, is what I'm saying. I think um, I think Reguillon could still do a job there. I don't think he's like, Reguillon's not going to be, you know, the guy. I think we're planning on selling him because he's still young. We could fetch a high fee for him. But I think Brian Hill is easy. I think it's an easy fit for left wing back. I think, you know, if, if he could just, you know, learn how to defend a little bit better, I think he could be a really good left wing back. I mean, Kyle Walker-Peters also has the same stature as Brian Hill. And, you know, he's doing okay for, for uh, Southampton. He just needed a Premier League move. And now you see Kyle Walker-Peters growing in confidence. You know, he's getting better at the defending side of his game, even though he had a, didn't have the, such, you know, the greatest game. But he got better at the defending side of his game. They even said that Chelsea was looking to buy Kyle Walker-Peters. And I think if we give Brian Hill like a, uh, you know, a Premier League loan and then get him back as a left wing back, I think he'd be, he'd be a great for the future as well. That being said, I mean, um, net, it's it's always a positive when you're signing players. I think it's always positive. I don't know how I feel about that fee either, though, too. I feel like it's a lot of money for an 18-year-old. But, I mean, if they say he's going to be um, a star, then I just have to believe it. I don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, Mike, uh, in three years' time, he'll be 21, and Perisic will be out of the game because he's 33, 36. Do you so, do you do you think Brian Hill would be? Do you think he could play that position? Am I the only? One? I just want to know if I'm the only one that thinks that. I think he really could. I don't know. Um, as I said, we've got to put him. I think we've got to put him out on loan to a team where he's really going to learn what it's like to play football in the in the UK. And depending on how he does, then yeah, he could be the player, or he could have to go back to Spain. And and to go back to something, I, I just want to touch on something you, you mentioned before about buying these guys and getting the money back. Well, we're paying it $20 million, 20 million pounds, sorry, for an 18-year-old. We did the same thing with Clark when we signed him from Leeds, and we did not get the money that we paid for him back when we, uh, when we sold him to Sunderland. Um, Atete came through the system, so whatever money we gave for him... Um, Actually, I'm not sure he did, but he came in on a, on a, a low transfer. Uh, and so uh, maybe we've made some money on him. But sometimes you pay money for these big youngsters and you don't get that money. And that's just part of the game. Yeah. And, well, and that was the 10 million lost on Clark. I, I definitely uh, agree with you there. And this could certainly be that type of move as well. Um, I I have to think that we're 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 making improved decisions in this regard with uh, Paradigy and in his team, but uh, but mistakes can still be made for for sure, uh, Scott. But we can, but we have been taking the chance though, and I think that's something that hasn't really happened in my tenure as a Spurs fan is 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 taking the risk of losing money and not, you know foreseeably being sad about it or or you know like not uh not willing to buy players in order to sell and sell players in order to buy players you know that that sort of 
thing will probably come come back at some point but at this point we're we're just looking at winning which is what you should do as a, as a sports team <laughs> yeah i agree with you scott do you not think this has something to do with the increased revenue coming from the new stadium and the way that they're bringing in i mean they've got so much more revenue coming in than they did when we had the old white Hart lane not just from uh bums on seats but from uh Beers nfl and, we're gonna have oh uh, nfl and massive rugby match there in um in november the uh, concerts all of this money's coming into tottenham and mm. i i've got a feeling this is why we're being a little bit more free with the uh with the transfer funds because the revenue of the corporation is right. so much more than it was uh three years ago i just want to interrupt real fast before mike jumps in like i was listening to another podcast earlier today complain about the cost of uh beer in the the stadium um <laughs> which uh, and b because it's like up around like six, six pounds and 20 pence or whatever um and, and i was just thinking like <laughs> our beer has been for much worse beer <laughs> has been way more expensive than that for years and years and yeah it, granted this the people on this podcast didn't really ca care for that argument but which I <laughs> just for them it uh, the the cost of cost going up was uh, a big thing but that is money into the the coffers that that can go to to purchase players like well, I'm, I'm happy to the spend simple fact that the simple fact that you have people showing up to the stadium early and standing around and, and enjoying beverages and, and enjoying snacks and stuff. And then the game, and then they come back and they do it again. I mean, that's, that's, that's double the, I mean, pr previously you had to go to the bricklayers or, uh, you know, one of the other, the pubs around the neighborhood, you know, pregame, and then you would go back to back there to post game. And, you know, now they've got such amenities at the stadium that, as far as I can tell, it's, you know, people want to hang out there. Yeah. And the other thing about that is after the game, when I've been there, they've had bands playing too. Mm. So you can stick around, have a beer and um, listen to a band. I think as far as the price of beer is concerned, if you go into a, a fashionable pub in London, you're going to pay close to six pounds a pint. Um, I went to Wrigley Field on Friday and any kind of decent beer was $12.50 plus tip. And I think oh, the, the difference is I <laughs> would uh, uh, find me another place in Chicago where it's going to cost $12.50 for a gumball head. I don't think there is one. Whereas Spurs are with the upper level of what it's going to cost you to get a pint of beer. Yeah, so. no, I agree. Uh, um, but I think we jumped in on Mike. Mike was about to uh, jump in just on the cost in general and revenue. No, nothing. I mean, I think uh, overall, I think the signing is a good one. Um, I, I will change it up here. Do you guys think we need any more signings uh, to complement the squad? I was kind of thinking about this. The question I've been thinking about for a while now. I'm not really sure if we do. I, I'll jump in there. I, I do think that. I think we need another creative player other than Kulishevsky because Kulishevsky can't play every minute. And, um, you know, it doesn't seem like that's going to be Kane and Son's role necessarily. Kane can do it, but that's not going to be, be what Conte wants him to do, I don't think. 
Um, so I would say like a creative player. I don't know if it necessarily has to be like an attacking midfielder like everybody's calling for because I don't think Conte really uses an attacking midfielder that much. Um, so it might be a waste of a position. But if you got like another winger that that um, that that provides a little bit of creativity, um, maybe from a different uh, side, uh, somebody else that you can uh, rotate with. Um, Maybe somebody English that you can uh, that that's homegrown, but that's just uh, for those other considerations. Um, but I I think we're gonna have to sell first, and um, and not just be, we just gotta make room in the squad. So like Lacelsa's gotta go, and that looks like it's gonna happen. And Dombele, I would love to to be able to go, which I, that that's a little bit more questionable whether we're gonna find a suitor. Um, but. Um, I think we got to make space first, and then th- then we probably might have one more move left in us. Uh, uh, John, yeah, I think that the, as far as Kuvaleski is concerned, we can put Mora in. Um, and as far as more people for this first team squad, I don't think we should get anybody else. Uh, there comes a point where your squad can be too big to keep people happy, and it's always a difficult balance between being able to switch players in and out, having favorites and having guys that aren't getting any time because there's two other people playing in their position. And, and that can reduce morale. So I can't, I don't think we should sign anybody else for the first team. You're right. We need to get rid of, uh, and Celso. Winks, who seems to be difficult to move, although I hear that Fulham may be interested. Um, and but they're not going to be in the in in the squad anyway. But yeah, if we get an opportunity to pick somebody up for the future, like we did this week, yeah, I'm all for that. But for the first team, I think we should be done. I think we need one more centre back. I think just uh, we're not going to run. The gambit, and we're not going to run the league without having another injury to at least two or three of them. You know, and, and, and well, two or three, hopefully not that, that many. But you know, uh, I, I I think that we because we got a, we got rid of Rondon and Rodon. why? Can you explain to me why uh, we got rid of Rondon if we need a no. back? No, I don't. Uh, I, I can't explain it at all. But uh, I, I still think that it, the, the injury, I'm just very, I think the biggest thing that's going to stop us this year is going to be injuries and the World Cup. I, I'm really, really scared about what happens during those, you know, like suddenly we're going to stop the EPL and we're going to go to World Cup and then they're going to come back and we're going to start playing again. It's like That's just that's such wear and tear on people that... It, 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 I, I just have a, I have a, I have a, I have a fear of that. So, but depending the more, on the how, more people we can, yeah, depending the more, on how the how the teams do, how the national teams do in the World Cup, we could have players playing less games for their national team than they would be playing Carling Cup, FA Cup, Champions League, Premier League at that time, because that time is when. A lot of those cup competitions come together. I mean, FA Cup not until January, but nonetheless, there's um, some players could get That's a break. A good point. That's a good point. 
Mike, what's your answer to this question? Good, well, good listen, question. Yeah, listening to what you guys are saying, it, it's definitely pushing me towards. Um, I agree with Scott. I think we do need another center. Now that we sold Rodon, I mean, um, you know, we have we have we played three at the back, so we want to have six basically in rotation. And so we have Sanchez. I can cover Romero. He did pretty well at the end of last year. Uh, Davison did pretty well. Um, obviously, now we have Ling Lingley who can cover for Davies, and I heard, I heard that he can even play uh, central center back, but yeah. um, I do think we want some kind of cover for Dyer. We never sold uh, Jaffet Tanganga, so I, I don't know if maybe we're waiting to sell him before we decide to pick up another center back. Um, I don't even know if that's on Conte's radar, if he wants another center back at that position. Um, so it's interesting. It's very interesting, something to think about, but I, I agree with Scott. I think center back could Definitely help. Uh, wide midfielder that can create would be great. But I think because we have Lucas, because I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we're going to sign anyone that's going to play that position. But it'd be nice. It'd be obviously very nice. You know, I heard James Madison was like a transfer rumor that we were excited about. But he's like, he'd be honest, it'd be perfect because he plays it off the right. And, you know, he can cut in on his left. And, you know, he, he'd be good for that position. But. Yeah, you know, we kind of missed out on Erickson. I think that would have been perfect for us. But, you know, he wanted to go to United, and he's going to have to deal with that drama. And I, don't think, I don't think we we're going to pay him as much as he wanted. No, that's true. I think that's well, the problem. I understand the sign-on fee for Erickson was £20 million. Jeez. So people say, you know, man, you got him for free. Well, they didn't. They have to pay £20 million to him to get there. Yeah. Um yeah, I maybe you're right that we need one more in, but can we afford to get another foreign player in the way the squad is positioned with the number of homegrown players, which, as we all know, is a pretty tricky balance. Especially with if, if Tanganga is going out, uh, which there's a lot of interest, but I think we're holding out on that just simply because we, we need him, especially if we'd rather move wings. Like, we've got to keep one of them. Um, if not both, which like I, you got to feel bad for Winks if we were keeping him just to be homegrown, um, and he's not going to get any minutes. Like that's really kind of unfair to him. But um, uh, th- that's why I thought Madison was an interesting prospect. Uh, but if Conte doesn't want him, I, I know he want he has this interest in the Zaniolo. I I heard some rumors out there that like uh, we offered uh, low ball, but you don't know if that's true at all. Uh, um, that it was rejected. I don't know uh, if we really made an offer, or if that's just uh, the Italian uh, uh, press, like uh, spinning uh, stories, which seems pretty common. But um, but I, I could I, I agree with you on center back. Ideally, I would love a center back and another creative pl- player to be in the rotation. Um, especially with like potential for injuries that are coming up this season and the World Cup and all the questions that go into there. But it also would be nice to have that flexibility to buy in the, the winter window as well, um, uh, like any pieces that you need that become a, more of a problem with, the, uh, um, with injuries that happen between now and then and in the, the, the World Cup. So um, I can understand if we don't. But, yeah. First things first, let's let um, let's move Lacelso, and there does look like a a move in place with the uh, uh, Villarreal, I believe it was, um, and then um, 
there's also some interest there for Ndombele, but I, uh, <laughs> I, I always question whether anybody's going to pick up his wages because um, his wages are through the the roof. Um, yeah, I, I think we may so end much. up doing an REA with Ndombele. I mean, it will be enormously expensive, but sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Um, at one point, and I'm not sure when, Dyer becomes homegrown, doesn't he? Because uh, he, he um, no, because he he played all of his youth in Portugal. Yeah, but I so, thought at one point he switches because he was born in the UK. I don't know that. Um, <laughs> if if I don't think so, uh, but even if it was, it would be only for it wouldn't be for Champions League. It would be only for uh, the league because like the homegrown, like da- Davis qualifies for homegrown for uh, for the league, but not not for Champions League. So. There's a lot of issues that come up there too that we have to worry about, but um, but uh, we have to assume that they've got that part all under control with whatever moves they're going to finally make, and we'll see in the next few weeks. Uh, any Let's just hope that they have figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, any um, any final thoughts on transfers before we preview this Chelsea game? Okay, well, let's move it along, along into the, uh, the last topic of conversation that we have here. And um, uh, we take on um, this upcoming weekend, um, uh, Chelsea away. So uh, uh, this is a Sunday match uh, a little bit later here in Ch- Chicago. It kicks off at 1030. Um, they're currently in eighth place in the league for whatever that means at this point in the season. Um, they, did, they did they um, did. Uh, beat Everton 1-0 uh, in kind of like a KG uh, victory um, th- this past Saturday. Uh, Jorginho was their one goal scorer in that game. Um, uh, and Conte also had a pretty good performance in that match, according to player ratings. Um, uh, I want to uh, go first to a question that we have, um, which comes from uh, the 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 tweeter we call uh, Big Bird, but or at AP two three eight seven one, um, he he says I loathe Chelsea more than any other club. Uh, I've met a few of the faithful who have the same opinion. Uh, do you find that Spurs fans uh, in the U.S. in particular are shifting from Arsenal to Chelsea as the most hated rival? Um, um, I, I think we're going to start with an American first. So let's start with Scott. Uh, my English friends are gonna gonna hate me by saying it, but uh, I I agree. Um, just because of the fact that they are the 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 more successful club, um, you know, within the last fifty years. <laughs> um, granted, you know, they 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 have they've come into their their wealth of of trophies and stuff, you know, very very recently. So, um, but. I despise Chelsea. I, I absolutely despise Chelsea. I, 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 I hate Arsenal too, but I, I have this burning desire for that club to burn to the ground. I mean, I, I really would like to see a, a, a Stamford Bridge in just utter, you know, and flames and, and chaos. Uh, so I, I, I don't think my English friends are going to like that. Um, because they obviously have had a lot more experience with, you know, Arsenal, but um, being a relatively young Spurs fan, I, I, I just can't handle. And, and they always, 
it, they, they their fans seem to be a, 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 a Oh, I think we lost you there for a second there, Scott. But I'll, let me just chime in there that, like, I kind of hate Arsenal for who they are. And I kind of hate Chelsea for how they act. Um, I jumped in there, Scott, because we, we lost you for a second there. But let's go. Oh, to yeah. I, I... Yeah, I think, I think you got buffered out there. Um, yes. So, Anthony, do you want to hear the other American uh, opinion before uh, I start jumping in and all over people. Yeah, I wanted to hear from Mike first, and then we'll let you uh, go because I think we need the English last to kind of balance us out. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I I, I agree 100 percent with Scott. I do hate Chelsea. I despise Chelsea, and I do hate Arsenal. I think it's kind of like the same scenario, really. I just a lot of my like I really just want Chelsea to fail, knowing. You know, how they got to the success that they've gotten to, you know, and that, you know, what bothers me the most is the amount of, like, positive media coverage they get throughout all the seasons that they've been. It's just so, to me, it frustrates me so much. Like, could you imagine if our team had lost our owner and had to sell Lukaku after buying him for $120 million for literally nothing, literally loaning him out just to get him off their boots and, like, uh, books and, like, they're getting praised for getting Sterling, like, and yet they're failing on transfer signings. They're failing in, like, so many different ways. And, you know, it's just so frustrating to me that a team like that can get away with everything and then still somehow, like, win the most, like, unlike, like, most boring Champions League ever. Like, they beat – who do they beat? They beat Porto. They beat – they somehow beat City at the final, but that's on Pep, you know. And so I really just honestly despise Chelsea. For me, the hate goes like this. I want Arsenal to finish 17th. Okay, I don't want them to get relegated. I want to play them every year in the Premier League twice. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want I want to beat them five 0 That's that's what I want. I want them to barely like barely avoid relegation. That's what I want. Arsenal for Chelsea. I want them to be in League Two. Like I don't want to see them like anywhere even near the Premier League. Honestly, that's that's how I feel about Chelsea. I really hate them. Just like a lot like you, Scott. Really. Yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's a good analogy. I, I I want Chelsea to be destroyed. I like playing and beating Arsenal. I just, I, but I never, I mean, I love beating Chelsea, but it, it doesn't seem to happen that much. <laughs> All uh, right. John, is go it, ahead. <laughs> is it my turn now? Yep. All right, boys and girls, here's the deal. Strapping. The rivalry with Arsenal goes back 120 years. And for most of that time, we have both been in the top league and the grounds are very close to each other. Uh, if you went to school in North London, you either supported Arsenal or Tottenham. There wasn't anybody from Chelsea there because Chelsea's in a different part of London. It's in West London. So I'm sure the schools around West London would have Fulham fans and Chelsea fans. But when it came down to growing up, you were either red or you were blue. So The rivalry with Arsenal is real and it's there and it exists and it'll always exist. I put Chelsea in the same category as Manchester City. I do not like the club, either club, because people came in and gave them enormous amounts of money that they had made in some illegitimate way, which allowed them to buy into being great clubs. And I don't like anybody that has done that. 
quite honestly. And Chelsea are just part of that regime. And I like the fact that the Russian money's gone away and they're going to have to do without it. Um, do I have a special feeling about beating Chelsea? Yes, I do. But I have the same feeling about beating Manchester City and Manchester United and, and anybody else. So I, I don't sense, for me, there's not a rivalry there. Um, there was a time, I remember, when Chelsea were in the second division. They couldn't get anybody there. The stadium was a shithole. Um, and nobody wanted to go see them. But they're a club of today. And I respect that. But are they as big a rival as Arsenal? No. And they, sorry, they never will. <laughs> Over to you, Anthony. You're, You're muted. muted. I have to agree with you, uh, John. I, I, I'm always going to hate Arsenal more, uh, but there's a special place in my heart of hatred for Chelsea, not just because of the money, just because of the dirty sh stuff that they've done. Um, the, um, the, the, our, our struggles against them have been very real in recent years. So I can understand why new fans are, um, are shifting that way when they don't have the connection to the history, but, but it's always going to be a hatred for Arsenal way more for me as well. Um, I do want to spin the conversation into a, um, the, this previewing this match though. Um, so this is at the bridge. Uh, we're we're catching them early, which um, and and they're in a little bit of flux. I mean, like uh, Lukaku's out, but he wasn't getting much playing time anyway. Sterling in um, clearly a talent, but um, um, but maybe it's still too early for uh, the coaching to have taken with this uh, squad as it is, and certainly they had the problems with the. Um, uh, the, the change of ownership and everything that happened in the off season that's put them in flux. Do you guys think this might be the right time to catch them at, at, at the at the bridge? Um, you want me to tell you my you know, my prediction? Well, yeah, if you want to spin it into your prediction, uh, go ahead. But let's have a lengthier conversation <laughs> about how we think this match might go and and who we might see playing in the squad as well. Um, I think it's a very good. I, I think it's a very good time to spoil Chelsea. I think it's a. I, I think we're heading into this game with a really good head of steam. Um, they're struggling a little bit. Um, we they don't. I don't. I'm, I don't get the feeling that they know what they are anymore. Um, you know, I guess uh, Tuchel has done some good, and then he's been regressing in other things, which is interesting to think about, but. Uh, I, I I definitely think that we're 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 on a good we're on a good side right now. No, definitely, um, uh, John. Beware, Chelsea. There are three <laughs> teams that I think we need to be concerned about this year. Chelsea's one of them, Man City and Liverpool. The rest of them, I think, will be has-beens. I think Arsenal will do well. I think Man United will do well. Beyond that, nobody cares. This match for Chelsea will be huge. They didn't perform particularly well last weekend. Um, but 
they know that we are one of the teams that they've really got to compete with if they're going to do well this year. So I expect a completely different team to come out of Chelsea. I think we will do well against them, but this is going to be no walkover. This is going to be a hard-fought game because it means so much. Even though it's the second game of the season, if you look at the season at the end of it and you look at points that have been lost and you say, well, we should have had three here, we should have had three there, um, we'd have been top of the league. So early on, it doesn't really matter. I don't think they're quite as settled as we are. But nonetheless, they're going to be a force on on Sunday. No doubt. No doubt. Do you agree with that assessment, Mike? And uh, and how would you set up against these guys? I I actually don't agree with that assessment. I think I think Chelsea are on a, like a much more of a, a struggle than most people will, you know, believe or see. I think uh, there's a lot of comments Tuchel made during preseason that you know makes me. Well, it makes me think uh, that we can do one over on Chelsea. Now, that being said, there's a lot of times where I think we beat Chelsea and we always end up losing uh, one nil, two nil, some freak goal, some some like some defender getting a header on a set piece, or Conte scoring from you know off the post, off of distance, off a of deflection. Like you know, just every time I think that we have a good chance to beat Chelsea, that like, we end up losing. But I do believe, I do believe that this is a moment. I think. I think this game could go only really go two ways, in my opinion. I think it's either going to be, you know, a really, um, a really like defensive nil-nil draw, you know, or I think it's going to be, you know, three, four, one in our favor. Honestly, I think we can, I think we can put a lot of goals on them. I'm just going to say that now, um, before I regret it. <laughs> but yeah, I really do believe that we could we can get one over on Chelsea. I think they're in a little bit of a disarray. I think they need to figure out where they want to be. I think. They'll figure it out by September 1st. I think they'll sign a striker. They're going to sell Werner. They're going to sign a striker, and they're going to be back to the Chelsea that we know. But I think they're definitely in a little bit of disarray right now. I agree, and I think it, that that's what makes it a good time to catch them. But I also um, understand what John's saying in that it, it's still Chelsea. Um, like even if they are in a bit of disarray, they're going to play us like this is the their their cup. They're going to play us like West Ham plays us. Only they've got much better talent um, than West Ham does. So it's gonna, they're going to play us like it's their cup final because uh, it's home and they have something to prove that 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 they belong still belong ahead of us in the league. And I think they can see that we're coming for them. Um, so I, I I do understand that like if if we come in this too too overconfident then uh then we could be in the exact position that john's talking about like where uh you know this this could be really tough and i think it is going to be tough and maybe this is battle the bridge number two um that we're going to be watching on sunday i i i actually am nervous but still can't wait to watch this match because this is going to be the first challenge of the season for us and uh, we can really truly see where this squad is um Real quick before we go to predictions, uh, how do you guys think we set up? Uh, do we had, do we roll out the same lineup that we just played against uh, um, a Southampton, or do we uh, uh, um, do we try something different here? Do we we, we play Perisic uh, instead of Sessegnon, even though Sessegnon was so terrific? Do we uh, um, 
do we start a, a Rickarlson? Um, uh, or is he fit enough? Like, where, where do you guys think we're going here? And it looks like John wants to tackle this first. I think that is the question. Because I think this will show the way that Conte is going to take on the season. Is he going to adjust our team for the other team? Or is he going to stay with the same starters and the same thing that we've been done before? And I don't know the answer to that, and I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. But I'm very, very interested to see what Conte, what Conte will put out there on Sunday, because I think this is going to be indicative of how he's going to play the entire league, because these guys are tough. Is he going to change things because of that? I don't know. Is he going to keep the same lineup? I don't know that either. But I should be very, very interested to look at the lineup on Sunday. Yeah, I, it's one of the most uh, the lineups I'm most excited to see. Like I'm going to be staring at my phone, waiting for that lineup to come out on Twitter. Um, <laughs> uh, let's go to Scott next. Uh, lineup thoughts? Any predictions? I, I think we're going to see that mainly the same people. Um, there might, you know, Paris, Paris might come in for Sessignon, uh, but I, again, yeah, you, you were, you're, you had a good point. I, I think that's a little harsh on Sessignon. Um, yeah. How do you take um, a guy out that just scored a goal? <laughs> exactly. And played and played really well and, and hustled and, and did all the things you need to do. Um, uh, so I, I, I think we're going to see, uh, maybe one or two changes, but in, Nothing wholesale. Um, maybe a Basuma for. Uh, um, well, who did who? You know, and, you know maybe yeah, Basuma. Yeah, would it on. be Hoybier? I yeah. don't think well, so. That, that, that's but, yeah. That's, would it be Bentecor? I don't think Bentecor, so. It's like I, I don't really know. Like, uh, I mean, I actually I really don't envy Conte with this whole. So, I mean, I can't even deal with it on on FIFA, <laughs> <laughs> but let alone the actual people that are you know that are obviously a lot more uh, uh, interactive than a video game. So <laughs> it's it's tough, uh, uh, Mike. Any uh, lineup thoughts? Yeah, I mean. When we talk about the lineup, we're talking about really we're only talking about four players. You know what I'm saying? We're we're gonna have our same front three. We're gonna start Kane, Son, and Kulusevski. We're gonna say we're gonna have our same back three and Lloris, right? The same back three. I think Romero, Dyer, and um, Davies is probably gonna start. I would I would I would think Davies. Yeah, I'm sure Davies is gonna start. So really, we're only talking about four players, and that's Sessegnon, our two midfielders, and then um, Emerson. And so that's really the biggest thing. I think he was. From the from looking just from the the post match press conference, he seemed very like happy with what the first eleven gave him. It, at no point did he feel like he had to reach for the bench to change. Uh, just really just to give guys a break, he really didn't need to like bring on anyone to change the game at all. So I think he's going to be really happy with um, the first eleven. I think he's going to start the same first eleven. Now halftime and on, we'll, this is when I want to see Conte like really start to, you know, um, put his foot on the game, you know, depending on where we're at, if we're up a goal, if we're down a goal, if we're still tied, what, what is he going to do? Is he going to stick with waiting till the 78th minute to make four substitutions, or is he going to force through uh, one or two uh, players that can make a big difference? And I think he's still going to change the wingbacks. 
I think he's going to bring Perisic on middle of the game, you know, um, more like after halftime. But, yeah, I think I think we match up pretty well with Chelsea. We, the thing is, we have the same formation. So it's going to be kind of tough to, like, break down a team that knows what to expect, you know. But I, I'm excited for the – I'm excited for the game. I'm really excited for the game. Yeah, and it's it, maybe the question is who he thinks, like, matches up against, like uh... – like uh, Conte or like Jorginho, the best. Like, uh, um, like which midfielder does he think's best to take on their midfield? Uh, like with the same uh, expected uh, formation, as Mike said. It's nice uh, to have choices, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh, it's going to be certainly interesting to see how it goes. Uh, but I think with that, like it's it's probably a good point for us to go to predictions. Um, so let's uh, let's. Stick with where we've been, the direction we've been going. We'll start with Scott again for predictions. I think we're going to do them. I think it's going to be a 3 1 game. Oh, I think we lost you again, Scott. Uh, th- we're going to come back for Scott's uh, goal scorers, but he had 3 1. Uh, Mike, uh, uh, what do you have? Uh, are you back, Scott? Can you? No. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I am back. But we, okay. we got three one. Uh, you have your goal scorers. Okay. I uh, yeah. Uh, so I think uh, uh, Romero is going to be uh, a, a guy who's going to score. Uh, I think Kolasinski is going to continue his scoring run, and uh, I think Kane is finally going to get on the score sheet. Awesome. I I would love to see that. That would be a great day out. Mike, uh, what, what's your prediction? Yeah, I'm. I'm a. Uh... Like I said, I think it really is going to be either a nil-nil or a blowout. Um, so I'm going to, you know, be positive and say we're going to we're going to beat them four nil, uh, which is very positive. I'm saying we're going to. Uh, that's very very positive. I think I think we'll have Kane and Son on the score sheet for sure. Um, and then after that, I think we can get another defender on the score sheet, maybe Davies and um, a midfielder, probably Bentancur scoring. Those are my four goal scorers. Or actually, scratch that. Not been to court. Own goal. Because own goal always seems to score for us. <laughs> okay. Own goal MVP. <laughs> I like it. Uh, uh, John? I am musing between winning 2-1 or 3-1. I think I'm going to go with 2-1. I think it's going to be a goal from Sassignon and an own goal. Um, and I think the result's going to go right down the wire. Yeah. Uh, I, that, that's... Not a bad prediction. Um, uh, I'm going back and forth between us actually winning this, which I uh, I really think that this could be the time to get them. Like it really certainly could, but I also like uh, could see the draw. So I'm like between a two-one victory and a two-two draw. And I I even at this moment I'm gonna have to pick one or the other. I'm gonna say. Um, uh, I'm gonna say two-one victory. I'm gonna yeah. uh, go positive. I we win this. Um, we get a, 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 a August goal from Harry Kane, which would be nice to see. And I think we get like a a goal from Perisic in this one. Like I think like uh, whether he comes on or he starts for some reason, I think either way um, he's good for like a distance goal that's unexpected because they're heavily covering Kane and Son. And now they're starting to mark Kulishevsky because they realize that he's a big threat. Um, and uh, and uh, our wingbacks uh, kind of get free reign. Um, 
any final thoughts before we wrap up the episode just in general like a a, a wrap of conversation let's start with john yeah i just wanted to say that i haven't had a loan update today but i will do one shortly um but we also have a little bit of extra in the loan update this year because my cousin is a season ticket holder at portsmouth where he will be watching scarlet and yeah. i've already been in touch with him about getting individual uh, responses from him about Scarlett's play. And I think if we work it right, we might even be able to get a video uh, or a, an audio report from him about Scarlett's report about Scarlett's play, which will be much more detailed than we would get from any other media option. So I'm working <laughs> on that. Um, at the moment, we have rode on with Ren. We have Scarlet at Portsmouth, and then we have Parrot at Preston North End. I'm expecting to have at least three or four more loans before um, the, the, the end of the month, and I'll report on that. But it's going to be an exciting year for the loans, and I think we could uh, brighten it up a little bit with some help from uh, Graham Tomlinson. No, and, I, and I heard that there were some people out there that were um, betting on, like, uh, Scarlet, uh, Kane, and uh, like uh, it must have been Parrot. All uh, like the, there's like a bet that you can make where all three of them lead their leagues in goals uh, this year. Uh, <laughs> I I heard you could get ten thousand to one on uh, Scarlet being the top scorer in League One, Parrot being top scorer in the Championship, and Kane being the top scorer in uh, the Premiership. I'm, quite, I'm not a better, but we'll have to ask Lucas about that one when he's on next. Uh, well, I don't have a betting account, but I've asked my son who does to put uh, $10 on that. So, um, I think, Mike, you had some final thoughts, too, that you were about to jump in? Yeah, just super excited for the game. We're all going to be at the bar. Well, hopefully, we all can make it to the bar. Um, it's going to be a big game. There's going to be a lot of people there. So, you know, just make sure you're there. I totally understand your reservations, Anthony, I wanted to say, I totally understand your reservations about uh, predicting this game. This is one of the most unpredictable games. We did lose four straight to four consecutive games to Chelsea last year. So uh, that's, you know, you would think that's not possible, but it happened. So we lost four consecutive to them. I don't blame you for being reserved. Um, I feel the same way. Like I said, either a nil-nil draw or we would somehow come out with four goals. So, you know, go ahead, Scott. Were you going to say something? I got a, I, I got a feeling. I got a feeling about this season. Um, as some people know, uh, I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan, and we had a I had a pretty pretty damn good season last year. Came up a little bit short, but you know, young team. But I had this feeling about the Bengals um, about three quarters of the way into the season, maybe halfway into the season, that they were going to do something. I was just hoping for a, for a, uh, a playoff win, but I was. I have that same feeling that I had for the Bengals for Tottenham, that it's just this feeling in my stomach that something good is going to really happen this year. And I, I really, I, I, I hope so. <laughs> I, I well, hope so hopefully Spurs will turn into Bengal Tigers. <laughs> no, good shout yeah. there. I uh, I agree 100%. I, I was just going to, sorry, I was going to second the same feeling. I feel the same way. Actually, I'll tell you guys what, too. I built up the scenario. This is actually not a good scenario, but I built up the <laughs> scenario where we're like, 
top of the league with we're ahead by 15 points and then we have all our players go to the world cup and they just get exhausted by the world cup and they come back and we lose all in man city catches us and somehow we finish second but See, I, see, Mike. I, I was having that same. I was having that same thought. I, I, I had those, you know, those those thoughts in my back of my head, but I wasn't saying them. <laughs> uh, it's it, it's probably too early to worry about it, but there's so much to be excited about this season, and I certainly am. Um, just for some podcast notes, we are going to be back. Uh, recording most uh, most episodes in person. Um, everything went well with our in-person last week. This was uh, virtual. We'll probably do about one virtual a month. Um, open up the, um, the ability for certain people to join our podcast that aren't uh, necessarily in town or close to town. Um, but we're, we're going to go back to mostly in person, um, which I think opens up the conversational nature of the podcast a lot, and we're excited about that. And, uh, and, and we've got the the sound tested now and i think we're in good shape for our future episodes so definitely hang in there with us and listen to us but that about wraps up the podcast for today so thank you so much to 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 john scott and mike for being on today um and thanks to tommy for doing all the editing and sound today uh charlie for the music sam for social media kimberly for the logo and as always the atlantic bar and grill we'll be back there next week recording find our merchandise at big head media Ah, actually i think we're not uh up there anymore so scratch that but find, uh, <laughs> find us uh, on uh, all of our many platforms including itunes spotify stitcher and many more hit the subscribe button and write us a review on itunes if you like our podcast or give us a review wherever you get your podcast check us out on twitter facebook and four star spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com come on you spurs Come on, you Spurs.